Hello and welcome to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, pod by pod, story by story. Folks, we have assembled the most brilliant vocalists here within the black and gold community to prepare for you a super pod, an LAFC pod fam episode featuring members of Counterpress, Defenders of the Bank, FCFC, Heart of LAFC, LGBTFC, Season Pass, Somos LAFC, and the Voices of the Black and Gold will all be joining us on this episode to help you get prepared for the MLS Cup. As always, my name is Jonathan Reimer, and joining me, Mr. Christopher Sines, we'd like to send a shout out, of course, to Christian Aparicio, who is home with a sick baby ex. Much love to you, brother. Hope you guys are ready to go this weekend. But Chris, good evening, brother. How you doing? I'm living. I'm getting excited, ready for this weekend. I caught a little bit of a cold today, so I'm trying to like take everything that I possibly can so that I am well on Saturday. Well, thankfully, the heavy burden of the episode is going to be held by all the hands of the pod fam today. Real quick, I just kind of want to run through the Austin FC victory. I think it has been discussed ad nauseum at this point, but we absolutely obliterated FC Broccoli, a dominant performance by the black and gold one in which Austin never really looked like they were in the game at all. One desperate cry for a penalty was all their offense was able to muster. One measly, easily saved header was their only shot on goal for the match. It was a completely dominant performance. And we all got to go home soaked in beer showers with little bits of black and gold confetti stuck to every single one of us. The high, the glow, the momentum that we have only matters if we get one more win. But before that, Chris, any thoughts on the Austin FC dub? It was shocking, right? Because, you know, when you look at the scoring prowess that Austin has and the ability to score rapid fire goals in in quick succession, I was expecting it to turn on, you know, and one of the most blaring stats that is the biggest takeaway, and I think it's attributable to the defense and the midfield, which, you know, was again, was the talking point that I had said that LAFC had to control was that midfield uh, which by all accounts was impenetrable. Austin FC was only able to put one shot on frame and that came in like the 70th minute or something like that, you know? So I think it was the by, 80th, 80th minute. I mean, so by and large, Max Grippo was untested all match long. And so if LAFC is going to play that way and which, you know, going into the playoffs, I think that some people were concerned with the momentum that they were taking you know there was a little bit of a rocky finish in the end of August the beginning of September you know we got the win in Portland which was a significant one but then we took the loss against Nashville but playing well against the Galaxy and dominating against Austin I don't think that anyone could have asked for a better two matches prior leading into playing Philadelphia the match against Philadelphia is going to be a hard match they're definitely a very good team they have probably the best back four in the MLS right now, especially with their two central defenders, you know, one of them being the defender of the year, the other being the runner up and the standings for the defender of the year award for the entire MLS. And, and so when you just look at that, our top three forwards are going to have to really bring it to that back line. So if LAFC played the way they did against Austin this upcoming Saturday, it's going to be a great match and LAFC is going to be putting forth the right effort 
that is required to win on Saturday. Amen. I'm not even going to dive into their shouts for a penalty claim, although I think I echo everyone's opinion that it looked like a pretty clear penalty to me, but they were letting them play. And I don't really think even if Austin had converted that penalty, it, it meant a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. They never mustered any kind of offense going forward. I'm not even going to harp on the Bowanga goal that was called back for an offsides that we never really got a chance to replay and see. And, didn't even look like a poke who touched the ball. So not sure how much he influenced the play to even create that moment to begin with. But nonetheless, LAFC are going to be playing for an MLS Cup. One concerning thought about this MLS Cup is it is happening at the same time as USC's homecoming. That means Expo Park has granted all of the facilities to USC. There will be no parking at the bank. Chris, what are your thoughts on everyone having to metro in, scooter in, get bussed in from Dodger Stadium? And the fact that we will have no tailgate, no fan fest for our first ever MLS Cup. The fan fest, I'm not too concerned with, right? Because most of the time I feel like those fan fests seem to be a little lackluster not as busy as you might expect in other facilities, right? In other locations when they have a fan fest, the meat and potatoes of those of the Christmas tree lane is all of the 3252 members and their tents and everybody hanging out in that social event. You know, I've been to SC matches to watch Notre Dame play and I can't really recall too many people tailgating out on Christmas tree lane early, especially when they have night games. So I would like to believe that First of all, get there early. Do yourself a favor of all the games to not try to show up as a typical L.A. person. You know, you're going to want to be there several hours in advance, whether, you know, you're going to take the Metro in or you're going to do the rideshare at Dodger Stadium. Like, I personally don't want to leave my ability to see this match on time left up to a driver from a, a shuttle, a Metro or a rideshare, right? Like I'm not leaving my fate of seeing this match in time be left up to them. So I'm going to get there crazy early, way earlier than the game is games at one. I might be there at eight type of thing, you know, go find a place to get breakfast. But, you know, I think that there still is going to be LAFC fans that are just going to tailgate anyways, because we don't care. You know, it's like, we'll just find a spot on the grass. We're going to tailgate. We're going to hang out. It's a social event. Half of the LAFC fans are SC fans anyways. So for them, it's like, killing two birds with one stone. So I think that there is going to be tailgating that goes on in and around the bank because people are going to be tailgating for the SC game and for the homecoming. So, you know, you just kind of get in where you fit in. And, uh, you know, I think that as a, as a community, we will, you know, still just be able to hang out and socialize and have a good time leading up to the match. And even after the match, you know, it's there's still going to be several hours and opportunities to celebrate this victory. Amen. I don't want to hold off on ceremony for too long. So, folks, we are going to go ahead and take our first break and we will be right back with the LAFC pod fam. Hey, this is John Thorrington, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Folks. It is in times like these when we are on the precipice of the first ever MLS Cup game in the history of the black and gold that we got to shine that bat signal up to the sky. Summon our friend Will Farrell's conch. Blow that. News team assemble. We have gathered the brightest and greatest microphone minds that we could find across the black and gold community. The Super Pod LAFC Pod fam has assembled. We are ready to help get each and every one of you fans prepared for this MLS Cup final. As always, John and Chris, I will be running the show with my friend Chris here. We would like to go ahead and start introducing everybody who is coming on today. So we're going to kind of go through alphabetical order, not to step on anyone's toes. So joining us first, 
from the Counter Press podcast. It is none other than the tactical, brilliant mind of Major Kirk Kenzie. Sir, thank you for your service. First and foremost, welcome to the podcast. Thank you all for yours. You all funded two graduate degrees for me, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, Kirk Kinsey from the Counter Press. Excited to be here, looking at everybody's faces. I know everybody else can't see him, but this is exciting. I don't, I don't get a whole lot of this interaction out here in Arizona, but thrilled to be with all of you tonight. So thanks. Kirk, where can fans find your podcast? At counterpress underscore on Twitter or in on any of the platforms. Next in line, the self-proclaimed gypsy prince joining us from the defenders of the bank, none other than my broadcast brother, Mr. Christian Philly Philemon. What's going on? I'm going to self-proclaim myself as the pink-haired flamingo from here on out. It's really good to see all your shining and smiling faces. I think the last time we did one of these super pods, we were uh, about to start COVID. So hopefully this isn't a bad omen for what's to happen over the weekend. But it sure is good to see you guys. It's exciting times. We're living in hashtag pinch me moments. Life is good as of right now. Philly, if fans already don't know, where can they find Defenders of the Bank? On Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. The 14-year-old who had that name prior to us is being rather reluctant in giving it up. So for the time being, it's at Defend the Bank. I'm going to beat that kid up one of these days for that name, by the way. Dang those 14-year-olds. When they're not beating me at video games, they're stealing our handles. Darn them. Next in line, the Titan of T himself, none other than the bearded one, joining us from the FC, FC, FSA, FSA pod. It is Alex Dweezy Dwyer. Coming to you live from Expo Park, as it must be, as it should be. We are here. FCFC, culture, somewhere around there. Most importantly, for all those who are preparing for your MLS Cup celebrations, holiday plans, end of the year is coming. I just got to say, go get yourself a bottle of that District 9 Ultras tequila from a little place called Flask Fine Wines. FCFC just released an episode today with our host, Jonathan, of Shoulder to Shoulder, the Boozology Part 2, the Agave episode, History of Tequila. You want to know more about your beverage? Hop on that episode, FCFC podcast on all your favorite listening platforms thank you guys for having me in the immortal words of johnny cash and his performance on the simpsons hello homer i'll be your spirit guide thank you really had a lot of fun going in the backyard and pouring out some tequila for the boys at fc fc i listened to that pod today fun fun show moving on an absolute legend the first ever english podcast for the black and gold community when she's not covering mls next pro she's holding it down for the folks at heart of lafc please welcome to the show araceli villanueva hey how's it going you guys i'm really excited to be here it's actually my first super pod and i'm just glad to see all of you because i know kind of in passing i've talked to some of you here and there but to actually see you all at once it's very exciting and of course where can folks find heart of lafc people can find heart of lafc at heart of lafc over on twitter and instagram joining us next the newest member of the lafc pod fam but an og within the community they do a fantastic show focused around the lgbt plus community here in in the world of football they bring in lgbtq fans from other teams every time we face them it's a fantastic show from the LGBT FC podcast, Mr. Luke Clip. What's up? It's great to see everyone. Having listened to just about all of your shows on a pretty regular basis, it's kind of wild to see faces on a screen and put faces to a to a voice. 
since it's all audio. It's great to be here. My name is Luke. Y'all can find me on Twitter, LAFC Luke, and our LGBT FC podcast on Twitter and Instagram at LGBT underscore FC pod. We are 11 episodes in, including an episode that I recorded while on the road in London, which was a lot of fun to get to go check out a couple of Premier League matches. But I will say the last couple of games of the bank have put the Premier League to shame. It has been wild. It has been crazy. It has been so much fun. And I'm so excited for Saturday. Thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Next, like a phoenix rising from the ashes of the once season pass podcast, we have the glorious, illustrious Ryan Wallerson. Please check out his new work in collaboration with a ton of famous podcasts out there, including Men in Blazers, Pod Save the World, World Corrupt. Mr. Ryan Wallerson, welcome to the show. Evening, y'all. Real, real happy to be here. Excited for this weekend. Excited to really break this down and have this be a time capsule. Like when we look back on no matter what happens this weekend to say that we were able to put one of these pods together and combine all these great minds. This is going to be a great one. And Ryan, we know that season pass is a little MIA at the moment. I would love to see that resurrected potentially in a new form, but you have an absolutely fantastic podcast that I am completely caught up on and enthralled with in World Corrupt. So tell us a little bit about where folks can find you now. Yeah, World Corrupt is on the Pod Save the World and Men in Blazers feeds across all platforms. It is a great podcast that kind of lives at the corner of politics and sports and listening to it will both give you the context you need to properly watch this upcoming World Cup and also kind of help balance your your moral high ground in terms of engaging with it, despite knowing all of the atrocities that go on in Qatar generally and, you know, during the buildup to the World Cup itself in terms of like the migrant workers and building the infrastructure. So it's not a don't watch or attend the World Cup podcast. It's just, it's really educational. Uh, Roger and Tommy make it as funny as they can, but they do get into some pretty serious topics. It is absolutely worth the listen between now and the opening game. So check it out. I have never laughed so hard hearing about workers' rights violations. Um, it's uh, it's a very, very informative podcast that handles a very dark subject in a pretty cool way. Next, one of the oest of G's within the LAFC community, the very, very first LAFC podcast. Joining us, none other than Ray Mysterio himself, Mr. Jose Saucedo from the Somos LAFC podcast. Super excited to be here, guys. As you guys can hear, I'm still recovering from the weekend. It was brutal and super excited about the first MLS Cup in our history. So thank you guys for inviting me and having me here. All of you guys out there that want to listen to Somos LFC podcast uh, show in Espanol to talk about our club and our city and our community at Somos LFC podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can also find me uh, on Instagram as Jose Salcedo 101. And finally, alphabetically last, but certainly not least, one of my favorite shows that started as Twitter spaces and has evolved into one of the best podcasts in the LAFC community. Joining us from Voices of the Black and Gold, Eric, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That's a very flattering introduction. Our group is Voices of the Black and Gold, which is as big of a collection as we can find of people. It's a bit of a brain trust, generally myself. Uh, there's Salso. There's Nick, you know, we, we kind of try to take as many opinions as we have and we kind of try to 
bring them to the forefront and just, just hear as much as we can and make sense of it all. You can find us at vobg.live. We also will occasionally write articles and uh, sell so with those deep statistical dives. And uh, otherwise, uh, find us on uh, YouTube, Voices of Black and Gold, and Twitter, Voices of Black and Gold. And that's where you can find us. Brilliant. So the team has been assembled. Let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of why we're all here. Folks, I don't know if you've heard about this, but LAFC are going to be playing in an MLS Cup final. That's right, folks. This Saturday, November 5th, 1 p.m., Bank of California Stadium. However you have to get there, be there. If you can't make it there, please be joining in. But to get us ready for all of that, the first ever MLS Cup final in the history of both franchises, be it Philadelphia Union or LAFC. These two teams met once this season, albeit slightly different rosters at the time, but we played to an exciting 2-2 draw in the history of this matchup. There have been four games played. LAFC has one win back in 2017. We have tied in each season since. That famous 3-3 tie that was the last game played prior to the pandemic shutdown. And of course, this year, a 2-2 draw that saw the Union go up in the ninth minute. The GOAT himself, Opoku, tying it in the 56. Carranza scoring an absolute golasso for Philly in the 67th. And then Escobar at the death in the 82nd, tying it up. And it seems like these two teams have been fairly equally stacked. We finished the season deadlocked in points. Of course, LAFC claimed the supporter shield on win differential. Although had it been in previous seasons where goal differential would have decided the difference, that uh, useless piece of China, that fancy grandma's China, that's a nice plate that you never get to eat off of, would have gone to Philadelphia and not here to Los Angeles. But as it stands, we have already taken one trophy from the union this year in the supporter shield and our chance to do it for a second time coming up this weekend. It is a titanic matchup we are really looking forward to. So we are going to roll through and ask a question of each of our podcast guests, and then we are going to go back through and get their predictions and final thoughts for you to get you all ready. So first and foremost, I want to dive straight into the deep end of the tactical pool with one of the most brilliant military minds and applying it, of course, in this case, to the pitch. We are going to welcome in Mr. Kirk Kenzie from the Counter Press Podcast. And my question for you, Kirk, is how do Philly attack? And what can LAFC do to keep them off the scoreboard? Similar to Eric, thanks for the introduction. You are way overselling me. I'm just an idiot with a microphone, as I remind our listeners all the time. Philly do have a good attack. Like, make no mistake of it. They racked up a lot of goals against some kind of bottom feeder teams, DC United, Colorado, right? But it's no joke. And I think if you watch their match against NYCFC this past weekend, you'd see it. It can come on in a hurry and then it just keeps coming in, in waves. I do have to tip my hat to Jim Curtin because I think his four diamond two is legit. Like it's something, the more that I've watched it past couple of days preparing for these preview episodes, the more impressed I am with what he's doing and the details involved in it. So Typically, what you see from Philly is they want to get their shuttlers on the ball, right? Those dual eights that you see in a four diamond two. And what they'll do early is they'll send their fullbacks high in possession. So their fullbacks overlap with those eights. The eights come back almost to pick up the ball as if they were fullbacks and then start driving the ball into the midfield. And then as soon as they can, really, you have Bedoya, Leon Flock, or Jack McGlynn, who's whoever is in there at the time, they play early balls into the feet of their forwards be it Daniel Gazdag, Corey Burke, Ure, Ura, am I saying that right? I don't, I don't know how you pronounce that man's name. I'm sorry to him and his family. Ua. Um, Ua. There you go. Thank you, Philly. So the ball goes into their feet and then it's just about overwhelming your back line. So they'll play that ball in front of your back line and make somebody step. 
as like the first part of the disorganization of your back line. And then they just flood it with runners, Gazda, Carranza, somebody coming through from the midfield or one of their fullbacks in Baizo or Kai Wagner on the other side. And it's just a matter of you have to put out so many fires at one time that people get lost. And again, you saw this against NYCFC where I think it's Jack McGlynn plays a ball over the top to Julian Carranza, who then just has a, a wide open header down to the feet of, I think it's Daniel Gazdog on that goal. And it's just, when you watch it happening and when you watch a replay, it's like, how did this happen? How did a back line get it so wrong? But when it happens at speed and people are trying to jump out and pressure cover balance, like the most basic soccer principle of defending, right? It's, it's people just get lost. And so I, I do think that the way that they use their fullbacks early to kind of open up those midfielders to shuttle the ball forward, I think that has a lot to do with it. That early ball in to the forwards and then the, putting out the flood. So how do you stop it? There's a couple of ways, right? You can try and press them. You can press that ball initially into the eights. You can try and stop the ball going into the forwards, or you can have a really well-organized back line. What I will say about LAFC is they can do all of that. And we saw them do it against Austin, who played differently, but we saw them give Austin fits playing out of the back. We saw their back line look extremely organized. One of the things that I loved about Sifuentes' work on Sunday was that it allowed the back line to keep together. So you didn't see the fullbacks having to come up and really step into the press all that much because Sifuentes and Acosta too were covering so much ground out wide. So I think that's the first thing you got to do is you got to press them high and then use world-class players like Giorgio Chiellini to put out the fires in the back. And I think LAFC have two of the best center backs to do it in Murillo and, and Chiellini. So track those runners, press them high and try and hit him on the counter, I guess. We'll leave that for somebody else's question, though. Kirk, this is Luke with LGBTFC, and I do have a question since we saw in the last match that Philadelphia played that Bodoya got pulled at half and seemed to be in a bit of pain. Everything you've just described, you talked about Bodoya as part of that. Does his participation, if he doesn't participate, does that significantly change that, or do they have pieces that can just easily rotate in in place of him? I would love to say that it changes everything, but they scored all three of their goals after he was gone, right? So I do think that they have other pieces. Leon Flock got the winner against Cincinnati, I think it was, that they played, and, and they got that late winner on, or second half winner. Again, Jack McGlynn can play in a ball from anywhere on that left foot of his, so they're still dangerous. Would I rather not see Bedoya? Sure, but they can still do it because they're a great team. Like, they're a well-managed tactical team. Well, with that said, you know, we actually were going to line it up with Mr. Ryan Wallerson. The question that we had for you was, what were your thoughts on Bedoya being out of the file potentially? Have you heard anything about his injury and whether or not he for sure will be out of the final? And if he is out, you know, what do you expect that impact will be on the match? And then also go ahead and give us your final thoughts and predictions. We know that you have to peel off here a little early. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I agree. I think that Bedoya being on or off does significantly change their game plan although it is also true that both of the goals came for them after he went off I still think that you know in an MLS Cup final on the road they're going to want to play through their best player play through their leader and I think that it would be a huge detriment I'll, I'll speak as if he's not going to play for the sake of the question I think it would be a huge detriment for them to have to play without him from a morale standpoint. But from a tactical standpoint, I don't think that a team that scored 72 goals is going to be, you know, hamstrung or bottlenecked by losing any one player. As previously spoken, they have quality throughout, you know, all levels, both in the midfield and in the attack. Both of their attackers and the majority of their starting midfield has scored in this MLS playoffs. So I still think that we need to expect 
a lot of to absorb a lot of pressure. You know, the back line players like Chiellini and Murillo and Hollingshead on the outside and Palacios as well are going to have to be able to track back no matter what work they want to do offensively. And, you know, I'm really thinking about the outside backs when I think about that. So I'm thinking about Palacios and Hollingshead who love to get forward and get into good offensive positions. You know, I love that work that they do, but it's going to be especially important for them to make sure that they track back you know, don't get lost on their assignments, make sure that they're in all of the right spaces. Because I also think that them making sure that the outsides are held down, it allows Chiellini to be that much more effective because he's not a guy that's going to be running all over the field for us. He's a guy that I think he takes advantage of specific spots and he's he knows how to take one step and neutralize the defense. He knows how to track as well, but I don't think he's going to put in as much kilometers as, you know, Murillo. I think that organization on the back line is key, whether Bedoya plays or not. But either way, we should expect goals to be scored. I think the most important thing is how we react to those moments. Because when I think about some of the darker moments in our past when it comes to the playoffs, when it doesn't go the way that we want, I think that against the run of play, when we give up a goal, the focus can kind of teeter. Thinking specifically about the Western Conference final against Seattle, it's great that we've gotten past that point and we're in the cup now, but those lessons, I think, still hold true. So we need to be able to keep ourselves, keep ourselves strong, keep ourselves focused. I love what I've been hearing from Carlos Vela, the press conferences throughout the postseason. He sounds like somebody that's ready to weather those storms. It's interesting. LAFC hasn't faced a whole lot of adversity so far in the MLS playoffs. Like you think about it, they've been either ahead or tied for most, I think maybe even all of the of the open play. And so if we go down one, right, if Philly opens the scoring, those are the moments that I think are going to be the most pivotal. And regardless of whether Bedoya is the one scoring those goals or not, I just think that that mental fortitude is going to be everything in the MLS Cup final. So I'm glad that we have you know, veterans like Chiellini, but also, you know, veterans like Bella who've been here, been through those storms will be able to lead us. We know you have to leave us early. You want to give us a quick score or result prediction? Yeah. Based off of everything I just said, I'm expecting goals, but I'm also expecting an LAFC dub. So I'm going to say 4-2 LAFC. Wow. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Wallison. We appreciate you joining us. We know you have a ludicrously busy schedule this week. So thank you for carving out a little time to join the pod fam here. Moving along, we are going to head over to the voices of the black and gold podcast eric my question for you we have a team that has the defender of the year and the goalkeeper of the year they put up historically stellar defensive numbers so what the heck do lafc need to do to break down this insanely good defense we are going to have to have the proper attitude coming into this game i think we've all seen this team over the last whether it's this season or other seasons when they get into those big moments Sometimes they just fall flat and they lay an egg. We've all seen it. It's the one thing that we don't want to see. And so they have to keep that mentality. They have to keep that aggression. We've kind of struggled a lot this year and against really good keepers. Really good keepers seem to have career days against us. You know, whether it was the uh, earlier matchup in Austin where Stuver just was out of his mind. We've had a lot of these battles, you know. Blake is going to be another tough nut to crack. So we are going to have to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to have to overwhelm them. But mostly, again, we're going to have to keep the right mentality. And I think a lot of ways this matches up is our team is a better team. Front to back, we're a better team. But Philadelphia is a very well-disciplined team. And it seems like the way that they like to play, their strengths kind of fall into our weaknesses in that if you look at the New York City game, you know, New York had 66% possession on that game and they never really earned it. The union love to invite high pressure. 
you know, and we love to high pressure and the union is a counterattacking team. And so if we get two adventures going forward, that's where they can spring their trap on us. And they are very good at finishing their chances when they get those breakaways. If Philadelphia gets four counterattacks all, all day, they very well could score two of them. So our attack has to always keep in mind to not be vulnerable. And the other thing we saw with the union is they racked up 19 fouls last game and we play a very smooth flowing style. They are going to break us up by constantly fouling. I mean, I believe first half they had something like 13 fouls against New York. So most of their work they did there, but completely frustrated it. So our players can't get frustrated by these fouls. They really have to just stay focused on it and keep that edge to win. If they can do that, I do believe that our attack can overwhelm their defense. I think we should be probably attacking on the side that that Bedoya or McGlynn is going to be on. Bedoya is not 100%. That's the vulnerable side, which I believe is their right side. So that should be Palacios and Buanga, which is where we want our attack going anyways. So I think this is a side that is very favorable towards us. I think Trundolo is going to have the team prepared for this. I think there's almost no question that I think he's going to kind of show the world what kind of manager he is his first season with a team like this. And it's going to be an absolute great, great victory. Score, I think we're looking at a three to two. We're going to grind it out. We are going to lose a counterattack goal. I hope that we score first. If we don't score first, chasing Philadelphia because of the way they play will be a frustrating thing. And it's our boys' game to lose. It's their mentality. Their mentality is there. They're taking the W. The only person beating us is ourselves at that game. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate the insight. Next question is going to go out to Philly from Defenders of the Bank. Philly, do us a favor, man. Break us down the anticipated starting 11 that Philadelphia is going to put out. What can we expect from this roster, especially with, you know, their captain Alejandro Bedoya being in his first MLS finals? You know, it's going to be hard to deny somebody the opportunity to participate in the game, whether or not he's 100% fit or not. It's crazy to think that the number one seed, the best in the West, is going up against the number one seed from the East. That number one seed has the 27th highest payroll in Major League Soccer. Only the New Jersey Energy Drinks and St. Louis have had a lower payroll, and one of those teams hasn't even played a season. It's insane the team that Ernst Tanner put together and the coach of the year, Jim Curtin, put in play. It's the goals that they've scored, 72. The goals that they've allowed, 26. The goal differential, clown shoes. And if you look at Andre Blake, obviously getting the nod right there, leading in Major League Soccer with 15 clean sheets, got his third goalkeeper of the year award, first person ever in this league's history to do so. As far as your back line, I mean, you've got a four horseman, you've got a formidable lineup, a Philadelphia Union wall, something that would crack the Liberty Bell. Baizo, great player, keep an eye on him, fit number 15, eight caps with Cameroon, by the way. Jacob Glesnes, here's a guy who's the defender of the year. Oh, and by the way, his other running mate, Kai Wagner, was the runner-up for defensive player of the year. So you got two of the three top defenders of the year in this league with each other. You got Elliot also is another one. I put Baizo, Glesnes, Elliot, Wagner. Now, the trick is Alejandro Bedoya. It's his hip flexor that's been troubling him. He did play the first 45 minutes against New York City, as we all alluded to, but they took him out. He is their captain, their emotional workhorse. The guy has been with the union since before they were any good. Gracing the roster in 2016, the guy's seen bad times, and then consistency started piling up. 2018 onward, the team's been a force to be reckoned with. Six assists and six goals on the year, so they're missing some things there. 
if he doesn't come in the game. Needless to say, you still got 19-year-old Jack McGlynn who comes in, played himself 27 games, got himself nine starts. At 19 years old, this kid could potentially start an MLS Cup final. At 19 years old, I was still wearing Velcro shoes because I didn't know how to tie my shoelaces. Crazy. Rounding it out, I'd say Martinez and Flock. Shout out to FC St. Pauli because that's where Flock did play. Daniel Gazdag, Julian Carranza, and of course, Mikel Ura. That's what your team is going to look like. Now, out of those 72 goals... Almost 70% of them came from Carranza, came from Gazdag, 22. He was one behind Hani Mukhtar, tied with Sebastian Giussi. Julian Carranza, 14 goals, and Uwad, 13 goals. So that's the vast majority of your team. But the leading assist man is Kai Wagner, a defender. He's number two, tied for number two in Major League Soccer. So up and down this roster, you got a lot of players to watch out for. I don't anticipate Alejandro Bedoya getting the start. Obviously, he's worked for it. He deserves it. The guy's had 66 caps with the U.S. men's national team. You could say he's he's a Philadelphia legend representing Englewood, New Jersey. But... If his hip flexor is fine, I would say Jim Curtin uses him potentially in the second half to give his team an emotional uplift, depending on the course of the game and what direction it goes in. But at 35 years old, this guy doesn't have that Wolverine ability to uh, get rid of his injuries, so to speak. But yeah, top to bottom, these guys look really good, and it just blows my mind that their entire payroll for 2022 was a little over $10 million. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I can understand why a guy like Ernst Tanner would be angry at LAFC because, you know, he's complaining that, you know, we're using 27 designated players. As much as I'd like to give him a wedgie and shove him in a locker, he's done a really good job putting this team together on pretty much a shoestring budget. Brilliant stuff, Philly. Next, we are going to move on to the Sultan of Camellia Senesis, the man who is the poet laureate of the black and gold community, none other than FC, FC, FSA, FSA's Mr. Alex Dwyer. So Alex, how can the black and gold faithful embrace this march to the match, given the parking kerfuffle that has transpired? Well, first and foremost, one thing that LAFC has done, LAFC community, the black and gold faithful, is we've continuously helped redefine what Los Angeles is and what Los Angeles means and widen the net of what can be included in the narrative about Los Angeles. Let us look no further than, let's do two famous Los Angeles area songs. The first is, It Never Rains in Southern California. We've heard that phrase many, many times, but those of us who've been to the North End knows it very much does rain. It rains beer when we score goals. And um, the other one is nobody walks in LA, right? So that's a refrain. People love their cars. A lot of you guys here probably commute to the stadium some great distances. I've been fortunate enough to call Exposition Park home for seven years. And that time is actually coming to a close. The house we live in here, those of the FCFC podcast uh, listenership will know we run the backyard podcast out of the place I've been renting and they're going to turn it into some silly duplex or condos or something ridiculous that no one can afford. And this beautiful over 100-year-old house we stay in now, to which I'm now speaking to you from, will be demolished. But suffice it to say, over these years, I've really gotten to know this neighborhood. And however you choose to get here, whether it's through the, the Ubers, the Lyfts of the world, taking public trams, you'll have an opportunity to do something that we don't normally do at LAFC, but other clubs around the world 
you know, have a tradition of marching to the match. Perhaps we're not going to do the big river of people that many clubs do, including some in our own league, but we will be doing perhaps, you know, hundreds of little tributaries. And whether you're, you know, roll into the game with your supporter group, your friends, complete strangers, I hope that people embrace, you know, putting their two feet on the earth in this city and in this neighborhood, which I could take the rest of the podcast time and talk about how significant and important the the neighborhood of Exposition Park is to not just Los Angeles history, but arguably American cultural and sport history. And just, I would say, enjoy that. I think there's an easy gut reaction to getting pissed about why the parking situation is a kerfuffle. But as someone who's walked, I'm telling you, for five years, I've walked to every game and since the start of this podcast, I walked from the stadium back home and it's, it's a neighborhood, you know, I'll get, I'll give you guys the secrets away. You can park in these, these neighborhoods that adjut USC um, a little bit further. There's usually some easy, easy to get to street parking and walk from here. If you know where the backyard is, we'll walk with you from here. You know, I wanted to kind of be a voice in the room that reminds everyone how special this is. And by this, I don't just mean the occasion of MLS cup. And by this, I don't just mean the city of Los Angeles, but like, you know, the fact that you can move your two legs. There are people who we've lost on this journey who, who are no longer with us. And, you know, the sun's going to be high. We might have all wished it was a night game. There's so many things we might have wished were different, but just embrace the moment. Enjoy the walk. Let the let the sun shine in your face, as, as Jonathan once said on a BBC episode, I think. And just embrace this day for all it has to offer and enjoy truly enjoy what it means to walk to the stadium of the club you love and you know removing that barrier of concrete and steel and glass that often separates you from the outside world when you're in your car hopefully you can um taste the air that day a little bit sweeter and i'm not gonna yeah <laughs> someone just dropped anyone else cutting onions uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wax poetic anymore this has all been shooting from the hip if you got your teas raise them if you got your drinks drink them and as i said at the top of the pod and as I'm looking at at the, at the corner of my little liquor collection here, drink your District 9 Ultras tequila in honor of our boy Mo. Shout out to Mo. Shout out to everyone that couldn't make it. Last thing I'm going to leave with an appreciation here. I broke down crying for the first time ever at the bank last week when Mahala scored that third goal because my mother had, from the beginning, the front row tickets right on the visiting goal. She got that seat by herself. She didn't have anyone she rolled with to those games. And my mother, sadly, is no longer with us. But when that goal went in, I just lost it. And I could hear her voice in my head, like, we're going to the final. We're hosting the final. We're going to win the final. So I'm just going to hit you with the prediction now. It's 3-1. Scored three goals in the other two playoff games. We're going to score three in this one. They're going to get something weird, like a penalty or a a random brilliant goal. But we're going to lift the cup, and we're going to enjoy the shit out of it. So enjoy your walks. Enjoy your fangs. And FCFC pod, Jonathan episode. Listen to your tequila before, after, during, whatever you got to do. Drink up, live up. Life short, guys. That's all I have to say. Amazing stuff, Alex, man. Always one with words, dude. We really appreciate it. All the work that you and the guys with FCFC have done. Enjoy the next iteration of your journey, my man. And I can't wait to see this cup get raised and us all celebrate on Saturday. So now we're going to go with Araceli from Heart of LAFC. This season, Steve Trundolo's very first season with LAFC, his first time as a head coach in a first division. How would you rate his overall performance this season? And especially with the recent announcement of Jim Curtin getting the Ziggy Schmidt Head Coach of the Year Award and Steve Trundolo not coming in even second, falling into third place in the overall voting. 
you know, how would you rate his performance and, and how do you feel about him as a manager in his first season? Okay, you're going to have to give me a quick second. I'm still collecting myself from that very poetic speech. Like, I don't know how you expect me to follow up after that. But on a serious note, when it comes to Steve Sherundolo, I'm sure all of us felt the same way in the similar sense that there was a lot of skepticism around his hiring. He came into LAFC with very limited experience. He came to us from the Las Vegas Lights, where he served as a head coach for the very first time. Prior to that, he was an assistant coach. And even while at Vegas, he didn't end it on a good note. He left Vegas with a 6-23-3 record. So when you see that and try to compare it to LEFC, it was almost a question of how is he going to impact not only the club, but the culture, it truly became one of those trust in JT type of moments. And I'm glad we did, because look where we are now. We're previewing the MLS Cup final. There's no better way to end a perfect season for it. But when it comes to Sharundalo, I would rate his performance. I have to be at a comfortable B maybe B plus. That's just me personally, because I still would like to see more from him moving forward. But based on that, the way he's been with the squad, especially during the midseason, being thrown all these new pieces like Killini, Bowanga, Teo, so on, and to be able to integrate them into a system, short amount of time, now going to the MLS Cup final, it just speaks to his coaching abilities. And yes, he was up for coach of the year, which just went to the union's Jim Curtin, ironically, last week. So I think not only are we going to be looking at who is the best team, but who is the best manager. Brilliant. I still think Dolo deserved coach of the year taking a squad from outside of the playoffs to supporter shield in his first ever season in the MLS. And, you know, Curtin kind of just did what he does. He runs a great team. Moving on, we are going to head over to the LGBT FC pod, Mr. Luke Clip. Last time these two teams lined up, LAFC had 22 shots to Phillies nine. We put nine shots on goal. They scored two goals on, of course, just two shots on goal. So the question for you, my friend, is, can LAFC put away their chances? Yeah, and I do want to answer that. But first, I just want to acknowledge the two folks who spoke before me. First, Araceli, if you're a teacher, I hope I'm not in your class because to get all the way to the MLS Cup final and still have a B, I don't know how that happens, but oh my gosh, I would hope that you're grading on a curve. And I got to say to, to Ray, thank you for your comments. You know, something that's been getting a lot of play on the social media, internets, interwebs, whatever you want to call it, is a lot of folks really kind of having consternations about what's going to happen pre and post match. Are we going to have the ability to meet up beforehand, assuming we win, you know, to have some kind of celebration after? I think uh, hopefully there will be some opportunities for that that we'll get to see coming up in the next few days that will hopefully be announced. The here's, here's Open LAFC front office, 3252, uh, USC can reach some kind of arrangement, but I do really appreciate your remarks about the history of this land and the meaningfulness of that goal by Opoku in particular. Uh, as someone who sits right next to that goal as well, that is going to be even more special to me now going forward. To your question, you know, I think, Jonathan, that that is something that has just really struck me about this team, particularly last season. 
it seemed that we would outpossess, we would outshoot, we would just look stronger than the teams that we played over and over, and yet somehow would always let in an 80th plus minute goal. And, you know, as you pointed out, this last, the one time these two teams met this season, we had nine shots on goal to their two. Both theirs went in, only two of our nine went in. And I think about the game we just had against Austin, where frankly, it really should have been five or six to zero, or maybe one, given the uh, the, the shouts for the penalty there in the 65th minute or whatever it was. But, you know, I, I do worry a little bit that our guys get a little flustered and, you know, they, they miss a shot or something doesn't quite go right. And it, it just seems like they kind of lose focus a little bit. And, and especially to a point that was made earlier, I think it may have been uh, made by Ryan, maybe by Eric about if they if Philly score first, then do we keep cool heads and, and stick in it? And, you know, honestly, I think they've just got to have the mentality that it does not matter what Philadelphia throws at us. You just got to keep playing the game. You just got to keep playing the game because at the end of the day, there is no game after this. This is the last game. It does not matter what happens after those 90 minutes are up. So stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. And here's hoping that they can keep that focus because the shots and the goals will come if they can just keep on focus. And as far as predictions, since some folks have made some predictions, I actually agree with Alex who said three to one. I, I am less concerned about this match than I was about the Galaxy match, but more than the Austin match. I think Philadelphia really do have the ability to score goals in bunches, and that does make me a little nervous. Uh, but at the same time, if we can break them down, the individual talent that we bring, especially in our front line, uh, but frankly, across our entire squad. But that front line, I don't know that they've got anything like that that they've faced in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, they're going to have to stare down Denny Buwanga and Chicho Arango and Carlos Vela and Mahalo Poku when he comes in and maybe Gareth Bale. I don't think so. But, you know, there's we've got a solid, solid front line that is going to give them fits. Couldn't agree more, Luke. Great stuff. Our last question that we are going to have tonight before we go back and have everyone give their final thoughts and or predictions. Jose Salcido, you have been an integral part of this LAFC community and the supporter culture from day one. Talk to us a little bit about the journey of our supporters and what they've taken and what it's like for you to be able to see LAFC be in the MLS Cup and at the bank. Well, before anything, I, I got to say everything everybody else said here, I agree 100% about the way we're going to play, about the way we need to play, and how are you going to break them down? I totally agree. And to the question, it's been a, a long journey. It's been tough at times because we, we started without nothing, you know? And Mr. Dries is here to attest to that. And we were just so thrilled to, to have the opportunity to have a team in LA, right? And we believe in this project since day one. You know, there was no chance for us to doubt this was going to fall apart, you know. With my compadre Julio, you know, one time we had a very serious conversation and we said, hey, are we going all in, you know? And this is at the right at the beginning. And I said, dude, let's make it happen, you know. We were the first podcast for LAFC. And I remember people were telling us and would laugh at us like, Dude, fucking team is going to play in three years. Why are you guys doing a podcast? Why are you guys rallying up? And it's so long, you know, before it happens. But we knew what we needed to do, you know? We felt that we needed to start working since day one. There was no chance for us to talk about next week, next month. It was like, let's do it now. Now seeing all these other podcasts that cover LAFC and talk about 
everything that has to do with the culture, with our community. You know, it makes me very happy because seeing the community grow, seeing all the aspects of our people covering LAFC, it just makes you understand the big of a monster we are. What the impact that we have had in Los Angeles is huge. I don't remember the last time that something happened in LA that have made this much of an impact, you know? Not even the Rams when they came back, they had so much noise, you know? Right now, our people, you're driving on the freeway, you're seeing all these LAFC speakers everywhere, you know? And, and to me, it, it always brings a smile to my face because that's one of our own. That's a guy that probably saw, you know, somebody in the market with a hat, you know, or somebody gave him a sticker or somebody just told him, hey, follow this page. There's a new team in town. And now they are part of our community. You know, it makes me it makes me kind of anxious, to be honest, that we are in a final. I'm nervous, but I know we're going to pull through. I know our guys are ready. I know our supporters are ready. You know, we have we endure a very tough loss versus Seattle that one time. And I think we all learn from it. You know, uh, not only the team, but the fans, too. This Saturday, we're going to lift the cup and we are going to win 3-1 and we're going to celebrate. And the entire people in L.A. that have not heard about LAFC mm -hmm. are going to know where the party's going to be at. And that's going to be at the Bank of California. All right. Thank you, everybody, for answering all of those questions so eloquently. I, the amount of knowledge and passion that is represented on this pod today just, just absolutely blows my mind. When you look at so many other clubs and their supporters don't get along, their podcasts are in competition with one another, or maybe they don't even have more than one podcast. To have so many successful, talented shows represented here today, so many different styles of show, so many different opinions, but just like Los Angeles, so many different cultures, so many different styles, and yet so much togetherness, so much community represented here really gets me a little verklempt. Um, So we're going to go back through real quick for a final thought from everybody. Uh, we're going to go in reverse order back up through the list. Uh, if you haven't given us a score prediction yet, you can throw in a score prediction. You can give us your own funny comment, quirky thought about this game or a final thought. So mi compadre, we're going to go right back to you, Jefe. All right. So, I mean, just big shout out to all the guys and girls that are out there right now putting in the work for also for the Altar de Dia de los Muertos. You know, it's about community. I want to say, let's enjoy it. Like Dwee said, Dwee said, let it sink in. Enjoy the moment. Walk. Embrace it. Because hopefully it's not going to be a long time before we live it again. But this Saturday, we got to enjoy every single minute of it. And when you are in the North End, you know, we got to connect as one. And we got to support as one. And scream at one because we will push our team to live that cup. All right, Mr. Luke, sir. I, I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this one, but why don't you go ahead and give us your final thoughts, sir? Well, I want to first riff off of what was just said, which is I, you know, I've been thinking about how, who knows when will be the next time we get to have an MLS cup at the bank, even if LAFC gets to the MLS cup in the next few years, maybe MLS has changed the format and it's some, um, you know, neutral site or something. This is going, this is a very potentially very unique once in a lifetime opportunity. And so for those of us who can be there, that is an incredible moment and experience, and we should really treasure it and be grateful for it as much as we can. And for those who cannot, uh, sorry that you cannot be there, but hopefully we can all celebrate together uh, when, at a victory when this is over. So yeah, I do have one final thought I did want to offer 
For those who listen to LGBTFC, we ask all of our guests, the last question we ask them before we get their social media handles is who they think is the sexiest player in the men's game. And so with that in mind, I'm actually going to riff a little bit off of that and say that I think the sexiest players to score for LAFC will be Denis Buanga and Chicho Arango. They are two names that have come up frequently on our show for our regular listeners. And I'm very much looking forward to both of them getting an opportunity to celebrate on the pitch at Bank of California Stadium before the 90 minutes is up and after. Brilliant. I love it. Part of LAFC's Araceli Villanueva. Give us your final thoughts slash prediction. Final thoughts are simple. I wish I could be there with you guys to enjoy the special moment, but unfortunately I will be here at home. Otherwise, I hope that you guys have a great time and stay safe, whether if it's the journey to the stadium or whether it's in the stadium itself, just please stay safe. And for my prediction, I'm going to go to one LAFC. Brilliant. Dweez has been teasing us. What you guys are not going to see in the podcast version of this is the entire time since Dweez has finished speaking, he has been preparing tea in the background here. Uh, We don't call him the Titan of Tea for nothing. Uh, This man knows more about those leaves than anyone I have ever met in my life. And that looks pretty tasty there, uh, Mr. Dwyer, sir. So please, our resident poet laureate who has uh, already brought us all a little misty today, give us your final thought and try not to make me cry anymore. No more tears, unless you want tears, in which case, tears all day. I'm having a little Danten Gyokuro. This is a rare Japanese tea, as you can see the labels, nice and black and gold. You know, people look into things, look into tea leaves to tell the future or, oh man, or predict the past. But I'll tell you what, guys, these tea leaves are so nice and delicate. You can, you can just pop a pair of chopsticks on them, a little bit of soy sauce, a little ponzu. You just eat them. You just eat the leaves. and since we got to the playoffs, I used to cover the club for MLS for the first two seasons. I've written extensively about on the field stuff, off the field stuff. And I went to the PC right after we won the Performance Center, for those listening, right after we won the Supporter Shield. And what I saw and what I felt after so many visits to that building and seeing so many LAFC trainings was this kind of quiet joy, I'll call it a confidence that comes with experience, a confidence that comes with knowing you're on the right path with the right people, with the right assemblage. And I was just like, we're going to win MLS cup. We're going to win. Like, it's just, it, the vibe was there. All those nerves from the past years were gone. And if you have nerves now, embrace the nerves, sit in that jacuzzi of discomfort, but do it all with your eyes open. And what I can say is, you know, welcoming all the feelings that come up as they arise is all you can do. You know, don't run from this. Don't press fast forward. Don't press rewind. Like it's been said, who knows if we'll ever host another MLS Cup at this stadium, even if we do well, all of us assume we'll make the tournament again, but just enjoy it. And whether you're you're a tea sipper, a tequila sipper or everything in between, this toast is for all of you. I'm slurping this tea for one and all. Good evening. Laugh it up. Cry it up. That is all. My goodness. I I don't know how anyone can follow that. But uh, if there's a person with all the confidence in the world to do so, I know it is this man right here. Philly, 
Give us your prediction slash final thoughts, my friend. I got to tell you, listening to Dweezy, I feel so calm and so zen. And if you know me, you know those are characteristics that I do not possess. I am not calm, and by no means am I zen. Start off with a score prediction. It is really cool that we got number ones in each conference going up against each other. History says that 2003 was the last time that happened when there were only 10 teams in the league. Fun fact for you. Jim Curtin and assistant coach Ante Razov played in that final for the Chicago Fire. They lost 4-2 to two to the San Jose Earthquakes that year. So, fun little tidbit for you. A team that scores 72 goals in the Union competing against a team that scored 66 in LAFC. You're going to see a lot of goals. It's going to be a back-and-forth affair. LAFC is going to go up late, and LAFC is going to put the nail in the coffin with a final scoring line of 4-2. to two. That is my prediction right there. I am utterly confident in this. I really am. This is a team of destiny. It, it really is. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, it's just this is it for me. And I don't root for teams that have great success. I'm a, I'm a Mets fan, a Jets fan, a Knicks fan, an Islanders fan. I pick the bad teams to root for, but this is a team I'm glad I stumbled onto. And as a transplant uh, from New York, this club to me means more than the Mets. Maybe not the Indiana Hoosiers, but we're talking professional here. LAFC means the world to me just because when I moved out here in 2016 with my wife, Panda, we didn't know anybody. There was no, not a soul that we knew here. We came here as a result of job opportunities and an opportunity to experience life in a different part of this country. Through LAFC, I've literally created my entire life in Los Angeles. I've met friends. I have social gatherings. I, I carved out a podcast and a broadcasting career in a sport that I didn't even know existed. My friends, my family, the people I talk to, everybody within my circle is tied to LAFC in some way, shape, or form. This team, to me, is more than wins and losses and stuff like that. Yeah, there you go. Major Arena Soccer League, baby. December 1st, home opener at Toyota Arena. Talk to the doctor or myself for your free tickets. First ones are on us. Second one's on you. But to kind of tie that all up, it means more to me than Ws and, and, and losses. Obviously, I, I want to win, but... You know, it, it's it's you guys. It's it's the community. It's the thirty two fifty two. It's the twenty two thousand in Bank of California Stadium. And and like Ray mentioned, anytime I see an LAFC sticker or a hat somewhere along the lines, I smile too because this is something that literally came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden it's taken the city by storm and in the most beautiful and the most magical of ways. Regardless of what happens on Saturday, I'm, I'm going to bleed black and gold till I'm gray and old. I, I love this club. I love the community, everybody that's a part of it. But um, we're going to win the cup. So get ready to spend another 160 bucks on another authentic kit, this time with a star above that crest. Let's go black and gold. And by the way, Philadelphia cheesesteaks suck. <laughs> Are you a with or without? That's the real question. Well, I, as a New Yorker, I hate all things Philadelphia, but uh, I'm with if to, to answer your question. Thank you, Philly. Sincerely appreciate that. Yeah, a little poetry of your own. You got me clapping there with your alliterative statement. Let's head over to Voices of the Black and Gold. Eric, give us your final thought today. All right. Well, I think score 3-2, uh, as I had said earlier, you know, and I think, you know, part of you look back at, at 2019 and when we saw the heartbreak happen there, I think when we win on Saturday, it's going to make that way. Like we're going to appreciate it in a way that we never would have appreciated it if we had just gotten into our second year, you know, because like we had to kind of 
walk through the desert the few years after that to really, really get that, you know, that nice clean drink of water that we've all been craving with our parched mouth. You know, one of the things to me, and, uh, you know, I, I just pulled this down. This is from the day I fell in love with soccer, which was the very first ever LAFC match in 2018. Before that, I wasn't a soccer fan. And uh, LAFC is what ignited my love of the game. And it was really great to hear Jose I didn't know that Jose had the first ever podcast for this. And now, now this is where we are. And so with that, I kind of wanted to share a story about Jose. We went to the El Trafico this year. My buddy Jay, who has been coming to games with me since 2018 and Celso, and I got tickets. I wanted them as close to 3252 as I could. So we got them. But for that game, they extended the Carson supporter section over one. So now our seats were in that section and we were going to get kicked out of the game. So we ended up, ran into Dodger Gus, and he snuck us up into the 3252 because he had just got kicked out of the stadium and snuck back in. He's like, I'm going to sneak back with 3252. So we're like, all right, sneak us in there or else we're going home. And he snuck us in there. We're walking down the middle steps. We get past security, and Jose is right there. And we're looking, it's packed shoulder to shoulder, and we're like, the security's not going to let us sit in the stairs. And Jose saw us. He went to some guys and kind of motioned for them to like, squeeze over and make some room and you know he didn't really know us or anything like that but like that's just kind of like how how the supporters are and how they build a family like they just saw us and they accepted us they put us in we yelled until we had no more voice we did our part and this is how the club is so much bigger than just the team on the field and I always see people who've never been to a soccer match in their life they go to Bank of California and more, almost more so than they talk about the team, they talk about the atmosphere that the supporters bring to this. And so to me, like, we want to see our boys win the cup, but but what Jose and everybody has helped build with the supporters and what we've all built and become a part of is so much bigger than a sport or a game could ever be. And so I just feel really, really proud that I get to be a part of this with all of you and everybody else who's black and gold out there. So let's win this. I love the idea of making a space for everybody. There's something that I feel about that statement that rings true for each of us from all of our different perspectives. So thank you for that. Kirk, I'm sorry you've had to wait so long in between opportunities to speak, but I know if there's a man who has the discipline to patiently do so, it is you, sir. So, Mr. Kinsey, Major Kinsey, please go ahead and give us your final thoughts slash prediction. Uh, yeah, no bet on a score prediction. I, I don't like doing it. I'm not superstitious, I'm, but I am a little bit stitious. There's a guy named Dr. Jerry Lynch. He worked a lot with our guy, Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr. He's worked with all kinds of professional sports organizations out there, a Buddhist and a Zen master. So Philly already kind of hit these topics a little bit from the other side, but he's a man that I admire a lot. And he talks about sporting events as like a self-contained thing. And you have to appreciate it for yourself if you're playing or your team the team you are playing, the grass on the field, the stadium, everything involved. I think, I think at the bank that takes a new meaning with what like you guys have all talked about the supporters in that stadium do. It's something that's so special. I watch a lot of these games on TV. Obviously I've been to plenty of games there. It, there some of that, that magic does bleed onto the television. So this is what I am predicting. I am predicting a unique experience for everybody watching this game, not only because it's two number one seeds that tied essentially on points, right? 
for the supporter shield, not because it's two historically good teams that are kind of oppositely built, but just a unique experience because of what everybody in that stadium is going to do and the way that they're going to blow the roof off of that thing. Well, there's no roof, right? But I, I, I know that it's going to come through even on TV, no matter where you're watching. I think this is going to be a, a, a big event for the team and the league itself, something that hopefully we can just appreciate for what it is, right? where we put on an amazing show and our team and our family got to be a part of it. All that said, LAFC three to one. I love it. We finally got a prediction out of you <laughs> on if there's a man who knows something about Siempre Fidelis always being faithful. It is of course our resident Marine Ura Semperfi. Folks, thank you all so much. I will give you a prediction of my own win or lose this weekend. We will still have the best damn pod fam in the MLS. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for coming on and joining us on this roundtable discussion for our first ever MLS Cup. And once thank again, you to you for organizing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So cool. Uh, too kind yeah. of you, sir. Folks, uh, once again, joining us today from the Counter Press podcast has been Major Kirk Kinsey from the Defenders of the Bank podcast, the Gypsy Prince himself, Mr. Christian Philly Philemon from the FSA, FSA, FC, FC podcast, our poet laureate, Alex Dwyer from the legendary heart of LAFC podcast, none other than MLS Next Pros, RSLE Villanueva from the LGBTC, LGBTFC. My goodness, there's so many words, so many letters to crank out at one time. Uh, Mr. Luke Clip, thank you so much for coming and joining us here. From Season Pass and the Pod Save the World, World Corrupt podcast, none other than Ryan Wallerson from Somos LAFC, Ray, El Mysterio, Saucedo, and of course from Voices of the Black and Gold, Eric. Thank you everyone so much for joining us. Folks, we are going to send everyone home and take a quick break, and we will be right back with today's opponent correspondent. Hello, this is Jordan Harvey, and you're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Folks, joining us as our opponent correspondent this week, making a triumphant return to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, is none other than John, a.k.a. El Parcero Philly from Dupe by the River Podcast. Please give them a follow, like, and subscribe. Dupe by the River, fantastic show. John, welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. No, thank you so much for having me back on. And of course, this one's a little bit more interesting because we are in the MLS Cup final, the first appearance for both sides. So it's exciting, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back on. Absolutely. You know, who would have thought that when we had you on the show earlier this year that we would be coming back under these circumstances. And I think that we all knew that Philadelphia was a team that was MLS Cup worthy, you know, but uh, just to see the two number one teams from the East and the West make it all the way. I think it's the first time since uh, 2014 or something like that, that the first the top two seated team. Oh, 2003. We just we just talked about this on Deep by the River on a Tuesday night. San Jose in Chicago was the last one, man. Oh, man. I, it's was that? A, uh, that was Bob Bradley's Chicago Fire, was it not? I believe so, man. Crazy. Man, all of these throwbacks. But it's, it's, just, it's definitely going to be an interesting game. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Philadelphia, you know, kind of got slighted last season because of COVID and the sickness and things like that against NYCFC, you know, so I think that there is a little bit of the extra meaning and bittersweetness that happened from last season. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Philadelphia come out and they've been electric, right? And I mean, the race for the supporters shield, I mean, all of this, all of these storylines that came out, right? It, it definitely was an interesting, uh, an interesting season and to see it wrap up like this is going to be a good one. Yeah, man, it's, it's been a magical run. Um, you know, you talked about last year's Eastern Conference 
finals. And that was really one of the main storylines heading into this year's Eastern Conference finals is that whole revenge factor. And you obviously had your full starting 11 available for this one. And you saw what the difference was. And it kind of played out a little bit similarly to how last year did. NYCC went up first, kind of how we did last year. And then we wound up putting up three goals. But now this team is has been, you know, fun to watch in the fact that the way they play, right? They don't concede a lot of goals. Obviously, this year they've been able to score a lot of goals as well. Um, and the Union are also a team that perform well in these type of situation, being a tournament-like situation. Now, they've never been in an MLS Cup final, and obviously you guys haven't either, so the advantage is to no- neither side. But the fact that the Union do feel comfortable playing in a win-or-go-home situation, I, I think that's going to be fun to watch on, on Saturday night. All-time record right now between the two clubs is four matches played so far, one win for LAFC, three ties. The one win came in 2018. That was when LAFC uh, Adama Diomande got his first hat trick in LAFC history. That was the first hat trick for the club. Uh, Latif Blessing came in and also put in a goal in, but it was a 4-1 victory. Uh, Ever since then, though, it's been all locked up in ties. They played once in 2019 with a tie. They played once in 2020 at a 3-3 draw. That was the last game before the COVID shutdown of the regular season. And then again, earlier this season in another draw, uh, 2-2 tie. So it really does look like these teams have just been battling back and forth. And, you know, with that in mind, you know, you had just said there is no advantage. And I do think that the only correction is the home field advantage really is the only thing that could really sway LAFC in this in this. And the bank has been electric during the postseason. No, I mean, you talk about, you know, since 2019, both of these sides have been pretty much elite squads. Obviously, LAFC had, you know, their injury situations last year and Bob Bradley's final year, and it was what it was. But no, overall, these two teams have been elite clubs within this league. And I think that going into this match, you talk, we, we talked about Duke by the river, every single facet of both sides is, is pretty elite. And that's what's going to make this matchup so interesting. The 2020 matchup, the one that kind of shut down the world, as we all like to say, that was really kind of the, Hey, it was a statement. It was the, Hey, we're here. We mean business. We don't care who's in front of us. We went into LA. You guys sold out that place. And we went out there and we played with confidence. And that's kind of got this 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 train rolling on what you're seeing now to where this team has confidence. They know they are one of the best teams. And on any given match, they're going to give it their all. And they feel like they can win most of these matches. You know, as Chris mentioned, the last time these two clubs played, it resulted in a 2-2 draw May 7th. Gazdog beats Fall, who was sleeping on the back line. Fall, obviously, out on loan, no longer with LAFC for them to go up 1-0. Uh, Opoku plays a little one-two with Sifu, finds the goal. Carranza has an absolute galazo, half-fallen-over man right in front of him outside the box, still finds a way to manage to put a curler top corner. Um, And then you have a rare rebound off Blake, off a shot off a corner uh, that gets tapped in by Escobar in the 82nd minute to make it 2-2. But we know LAFC have seen some wholesale changes since that match. But certainly there have been some changes to the Philly Union as well, too. So talk about some of the additions and how the squad has been transformed since that match. Yeah, so since that match, really, the main difference has been the attack. I mean, this team has always been a sound defensive side. But, you know, speaking to Jim and and just hearing his discussion and his explanation of how the attack has changed, um, the whole assist, uh, the assist zone in the final third in the box has really been something that they have emphasized. 
finding that assist zone, pretty much being the corner of the uh, of the box in, in in the final third, and finding those 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 channels. That's really been a big part of it. And Gaza, Karanza, and Ua, we all talked about it. We all knew that there was going to be growing pains, especially when you're integrating two new forwards to your to your starting lineup, and that took some time. And once those guys got going, man, it was hard to stop those guys. I mean, you've seen the six to seven nothing matches. You know, they were putting up crazy numbers at Subaru Park. Um, and I just think that the confidence and the chemistry is really what's been able to excel this team because we've seen in the past that we've been able to get the ball to our forwards, but we haven't had forwards that have been clinical. But now you have a group of guys who are working together, and they're pretty damn good. I mean, you you spent around $5 million for this forward line. It's been one of the most elite ones in the league that is credit back to Ernst Tanner with his great business mindset. And I, and I think that, to me, the main difference from that match is the attack. And for LAFC, that's going to be something different to watch. I think we have the two best front threes in the league going yes, head-to-head in this match. Uh, this is going to be such a fun game. But uh, you didn't survive that conference final without at least one loss in the ranks. So a talk about Bedoya. He exited with what appeared to be an injury right before the end of the first half there. Is he going to be available this weekend? And what does that mean for Philly if they're going into the reserves to supplement him? Yeah, no, it's definitely a big blow. I mean, he's more importantly than what he does on the pitch. He's your emotional leader. And there has been times throughout the season, like a lot of uni fans, they still lament that 4 nothing beatdown that we took against Charlotte in Charlotte. And one of the big factors was the fact that Allie wasn't in that match. And you kind of see the intensity kind of take a little bit of a step back when he's not in there. But they, I think because of the moment, they were able to rise to the occasion. That was really, really relieving to watch. But no, I mean, Ali's definitely a big blow, but it's the next man up, right? And that, that's just how professional sports work. Now, you're going to probably go back to Jack McGlynn playing as that right shuttle midfielder. And what Jack provides, what Ali doesn't is he's nine. I think he's about to be 19 years old, Jack McGlynn. And this kid has the vision of a 29-year-old. Like, it's really impeccable to see a kid at that age to play with the vision that he has. And so when you what you miss in Ali and in his aggression and his leadership and him being able to go go all the way back track back close to the back line and bring the ball up and being a big part of connecting the back line to the forward line, Jack McGlynn is going to make those tough passes that may be able to find those seams within the LAOC uh, defense. And so it's going to be a coming of age match here for Jack McGlynn in the MLS Cup. So it's going to be really interesting to watch for LAFC. You know, you uh, made mention about the Charlotte 4-0 loss, uh, which opened the door to LAFC being able to make up ground, cover back the three points. They got the they got the victory in Portland that solidified the shield, which at that point in time, based on how Philadelphia was playing and how they were putting opponents away, you know, I can still remember, I think it was like 7-0 DC United victory, right? Like when we're watching that, we're like, man, there's, there's just no way that LAC is going to catch up, especially when you looked at the strength of schedule remaining. I just didn't see it happening. And, you know, shout out to Pablo Cisniega, former black and gold, black and gold goalkeeper, bro, like that. San guy. Pablo, <laughs> San Pablo. But I mean, what was what was it like for the Philadelphia Union? I mean, because I don't think anybody expected to lose to the to charlotte and to lose in that fashion and to drop i mean it was just a it had to be a crushing blow what was the the con, uh, consensus around the fan base and the club at that point in time uh when you saw that there was an opportunity missed 
You know, honestly, for the fan base, obviously, like it's a big blow because when you're talking about your club, you want to win every single trophy possible. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that as well. So when you have supporter shield right at your grasp, like you're pretty much controlling your own destiny and you lay a goose egg and like, like, you know, there's no disrespect to Charlotte FC, but we were flat out a better team, but you know, Charlotte really came out and played motivated. And of course the legend of Daniel Rios was created on that afternoon as well. And so that was definitely a big blow. And, you know, when you look back at it now, I mean, it's kind of a big deal because now you guys have the home pitch advantage as MLS couple. We played in L.A. instead of Chester, Pennsylvania. And look, I'm not saying that the union are a completely different team away from home, but they are just a much more dominant team at in Subaru Park. And that's definitely going to be a big factor. And you know, if you do lose this match, I mean, there are going to be fans who are going to look back at that moment and said that, that that's the moment that kind of changed the season and, and the potential championship taken away. When you look at these two teams, they line up incredibly well against one another. If you had to isolate a matchup or a tactic, what does Philly need to do if they're going to walk home this weekend with a cup in hand? I think it's really simple with the union. They don't do anything crazy. I mean, it's either you're playing that high press, you're trying to force turnovers and get on that counterattack, or they will hold possession and they will, you know, over the top or they've been able to move the ball through the ground as well. So I think for the unions, just playing their style of soccer, you can't look at LAFC and what's on that side. You are, you need to be that confident bunch that you've been all season long. I think for Philly, you just have to play union soccer. It's gotten you to so far. You have to go out and you have to play that way. 90 minutes of, in, of high intensity. You got to be physical. They were really physical against NYCFC. I'm sure Brujo Martinez is going to try to set the tone. He's going to he's gonna be looking for that card, too. It's just the way Brujo Martinez is. Um, you know, Jim Curtin talked about it after the match. Um, there's only one player in Jim's career that he can't control, and that's Brujo Martinez. And I think he would be a, he's going to be a big part of it. So, I, Yeah, like, when I, he's I, not storming into press conferences <laughs> with a bottle of Corbell in his hand, that was hilarious. We love him, dude. I, I We freaking love him. And it's funny because – the legend of Bruno Martinez started in Bank of California Stadium with the bloody shirt all over. So that was freaking fantastic. So, no, we know what's on the LAFC side. We know how lethal you guys can be, but the union have to play union soccer and they can't control anything else. You know, uh, even though the union didn't walk away with the supporter shield this season, that they still had an award ending season, three end of year awards, obviously. Uh, defender of the year, Jacob Glessness, uh, three-time now winning goalkeeper of the year, Andre Blake, and the controversial one for this podcast, at least coach of the year going to Jim Curtin. I mean, I understand, right, that he's done a lot with less. I just, you know, I think that Philadelphia has all, has been a dominant team for the last they won Supporter Shield in 2020. They should have been in the MLS Cup in 2021, right? And it's like, and now they're in the MLS Cup again. Like, I think that Jim Curtin has done a great job for the last several seasons. So it's like, nothing's new, right? Like, we know he's a good coach. Uh, you know, I think that seeing what Steve Terundolo did with the Black and Gold as a first-time coach at, the, at, a, at a top-flight level, uh, I think he got slighted. But it's not up to just one, one voting, but, you know, for those awards, right, you guys still have this star-studded uh, back line, goalkeeper, shot stopper, coach. Like, what is 
what is the consensus of all of those awards? Do are they insignificant? Is it MLS Cup or bust? Or are people still saying, hey, like, you know, we, you know, because Carlos Velo won player of the year in 2019. And it's like an afterthought. People, you know, it's like because we true. failed to go to the MLS Cup that it's like, hey, okay, cool. He won uh MVP but it doesn't really mean as much because you know it didn't mean it we didn't go as far as we wanted in the playoffs I'll be honest with you guys I I felt like all the awards I've questioned every single one of them like you know we'll start with the one you have a question about it's funny because you felt like Trondalu should have been the coach of the or manager of the year over Jim Curtin I I got into the union fans I feel like Wilford Nancy should have gotten over Jim Curtin well, and I'll take that one too, right? Like if, if, if Terundula would have lost to Wolf or Nancy, like I would have been like, all right, cool. I get it. But this is the one where I was like, yo, this is the one that makes the least amount of sense to me. And listen, Jim, I'm truly indebted to that man. Love that guy. But I just look at what Wilfred Nancy has done in Montreal. Like, remember he was handed a team like literally a week or two before the start of the season last year. And took them to the number two seed. And they were a really good team. Obviously, it's unfortunately lost to NYCFC. But that was my pick. But I mean, like, guys, like, let's look at the other ones, right? So Defender of the Year, I'm not going to argue Jakob Gleznis. But to me, Jack Elliott should have been in that conversation. I get it. You don't want to see three Union defenders. Uh, personally, Kai Wagner has been a bigger part of our attack. Not saying he's hasn't he's been irrelevant or defense, but if you look at some of the passes and his accuracy with those, those stats, those advanced analytics, it's truly impeccable. Um, the MVP conversation, I don't understand how a guy with 22 goals and 10 assists is not even in the conversation for MVP, right? And then of course, comeback player of the year. I'm sorry, but Gonzalo Higuain is the comeback player of the year. Like, does anyone not have a problem with that? And Julian Carranza, who replaced, or I'm sorry, who left because of Gonzalo Higuain, literally had a fantastic season in his first year. So, like, all the awards to me, I have questions. And more so, like, I want to know what is exactly the criteria of all these awards because, to me, it's just not – it's 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 not – I don't understand it. I just flat out don't. Well, there's one award that I don't think anyone can put up any kind of reasonable argument against, and that's Goalkeeper of the Year. Uh, Timmy Blake is one of the most prolific talents this league has ever seen at that position. And if I'm an LAFC player – you know, the one thing about this Philly team that scares me is his ability to make out of this world saves and completely change a game. We saw that in the conference final. We've seen it throughout the course of his career. I guess the question from the black and gold perspective is where's the weakness? How do we beat this guy? I mean, for Andre Blake, I mean, really, it's you just got to catch the defense uh, slacking. You know, uh, if you watch a Cincinnati match, um, that was probably the second worst loss of the season besides Charlotte when we went to Cincinnati. And that was one of the most uncharacteristic matches I've ever seen from our back line. And Cincinnati went on to put up three goals against us, which is obviously very un- uncharacteristic. I mean, Andre, it's it's the playoffs. Like, he's on. Like, he's in the zone. Like it's very hard to get by him. You're just going to have to find those holes in that back line and find yourself and put you got to put Andre Blake in a tough spot on a 1v1 situation. It really just comes down to that. And listen, this back line is as advertised, so it's going to be definitely hard. But you guys definitely have the talent for that. And it's that's what I'm saying. Like all these matches are so impressive, but especially that front line of LAFC versus that back line of the Philadelphia Union, probably the best front line versus the best back line in the MLS. And that's really where you're going to be watching all night long. 
Well, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us. I know you, like many of us on both sides of this, have been doing a lot of podcasting this week. We appreciate you taking the time to carve out some space for us. Before we send you home, we got to know, what's your prediction for the match? <laughs> well, listen, I'm not, I haven't been as busy as you, Jonathan, but listen, with, with the Phillies World Series and the Union playing well, and obviously the Eagles as well, still undefeated, Philadelphia has got my sleep schedule all messed up. I haven't really, I haven't had a uh, a consistent gym schedule as well this week. So Philly sports has been crazy as it is. But no, look, I, I think Saturday, it's going to be the best MLS Cup we've ever watched, right? You, you got two really good sides, two really good managers. The atmosphere is going to be electric. It's Bank of California Stadium. And look, both sides have never been in this situation. And so anything can legitimately happen. I do think that this will go in extra time. I don't think it'll go in PKs. I really hope for everyone's sake that there is no penalty kicks, but I do think that it'll be a 2-1 Union victory in extra time. I got to go Union. Come on. But it can go either way. But uh, it, it, I, I just want a good match. Let's get that. Well, folks, uh, we would like to really, really thank El Parcero Philly for joining us from Dupe by the River. Uh, please give him a follow, El Parcero Philly, uh, Philly PH, of course. Uh, not like our defender of the bank, Philly, with an F, but uh, <laughs> the PH version of Philly. Um, and please uh, listen to some of those great episodes of Dupe by the River. They do a fantastic podcast, you. keeping you up to date on all things going on there in the correct Bell City. Sir, thank you so much for coming and joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, wishing you all the best of luck this weekend. I hope you have an amazing experience at a terrible result. <laughs> thank you both, guys. I really appreciate it. And now uh, may the best team win. Amen. Peace. Thank you, folks. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with the final segment of today's show. This is Will Koontz and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. All right, Chris, we've heard from the pod fam. We've heard from El Parcero Philly getting us all prepared. We've heard predictions from some of the most brilliant minds here in the LAFC community. So it is once again time to put our predictions where our podcasts are, my friend. What do you think is going to happen in the MLS Cup final? You know what? I, I obviously think that LAFC is going to win. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle. I, I think that goals are going to be scored on both sides. You know, we saw a lot of these 3-1, 4-1, 4-2. I don't know if it's going to be more than two goals is going to be scored on either side. Um, and I, I think that Philadelphia has too potent of an attack to not score at all. So, that that just mathematically leaves me with a scoreline of two to one. I normally don't call out who is going to score for LAFC, but I have a feeling that Denny Bawanga, who has already scored in some of the most monumental moments to get us to this point, scoring the goal to get us to the supporters shield, scoring a goal in the LA in the LAFC Galaxy match, right? Like he has scored. In some of the in three of the most important matches of the last four that we've played, I think he's going to hit the trifecta. I think he's going to hit a goal in this match in the MLS Cup, and it's going to be one of those ones where Denny Buanga, the new one of the newest players, is going to write himself into the history books and the and the fan base lore for decades to come. I love it. I was on the Dupe by the River podcast, and I as well gave a two-one prediction. We're talking about the best defenses in MLS some of the best goalkeepers in MLS. 
I'm hard pressed to think that on this biggest stage, they're going to give up too many goals. I as well, am going to predict a two, one victory to the black and gold in 90 minutes. However, if for some reason via pro ref or via fluky score, who knows it ends up being two, two, and we go into stoppage time. I think it's going to be the goat Quadwo Mahalo Poku who scores the goal that puts us over the top and gets us a cup. I think with the arrival of so many star players, it's going to be none other than the Ghanaian who couldn't go home because of COVID. Ended up hanging around the Performance Center, impressed so many people that he got himself a contract that ends up being the one who decides it for a team that so many people have discredited us for the amount of money that we've spent on our roster. I think it will be the likes of one Quadmo Mahala Opoku that put us over the top if the game ends up going past the 90th minute. But otherwise, I agree with you. Bowanga, for sure. He's just proven that teams are not ready to deal with what he brings to the game. And I for sure agree with you that I think he is fine in the back of the net. Any final thoughts, my friend, before we wrap up our last episode of the season, before we head into the offseason, either victorious or despondent? You know what? Again, be loud. Be there early, be safe, you know, and, uh, you know, take it in this, uh, like we had just mentioned on the pod fam segment, if things ever change, or we don't know when the next time is that LAFC is not only going to be in the MLS cup, but hosting the MLS cup, uh, you know, so take it in, enjoy the moment, just be present, be there guys, be loud, make it memorable. Right. Folks, we would like to thank El Parcero Philly from Duke by the River for joining us as our opponent correspondent. Huge shout outs to Kirk, Christian, Alex, Araceli, Luke, Ryan, Ray, and Eric for joining us as our guests this week. I'm sure you are all already listening to each one of those podcasts, but if you're not, please give our friends at either Counterpress, Defenders of the Bank, FSA, FSA, Heart of LAFC, LGBTFC, Season Pass, aka Pod Save the World's World Corrupt, Somos LAFC, or Voices of the Black and Gold a listen. Thank you all for listening to episode 140 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. We'll see you with a cup on the next episode. Take us home, Sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.